0: This is the Personal Finance Show. Hello, I'm Bo Humphreys, and welcome to a special holiday-giving episode of The Personal Finance Show. Two weeks ago, I got an email from Jay Money and the team from Rockstar Finance. They had $100 to give to the first 20 personal finance bloggers to respond to the email, with the condition that the $100 would be used to give back locally and do some good. The Rockstar Finance Community Fund is an amazing initiative that helps people do good in their community. Rockstar Finance has many personal finance bloggers on their list, so even though I thought I responded quickly, more than 100 people responded before me. I didn't get the $100. But then I thought, I like this idea, and I have $100 of my own. So I started looking for a local charity, as I am a new Hamiltonian and didn't already have one in mind. Google led me to City Kids. City Kids is a gift of Christmas campaign where you can buy toys and drop them off at a Canadian Tire or local police station. Then I started reading more about City Kids and realized that there was much more to them than I thought. Todd Bender founded City Kids over twenty years ago and it has become a huge organization in Hamilton, with branches in Ottawa and Regina, Saskatchewan. I decided I would visit the City Kids headquarters, bring the toys I bought, get a tax receipt, always get a tax receipt, and see if Todd wouldn't sit down with me to tell his story. I talk about saving and investing and even spending your money, but I don't talk as much as I should about giving away some of that money to those who might need it a bit more than you. The holidays are when we can all take a break from our daily lives, spend time with family and friends, and reflect on what's important to us. It's important to me that there is more giving in my life. Maybe not always money or things, but time as well. We all have skills and talents and we use them to make money, but they can also be given. I'd like to thank Jay Money and Rockstar Finance for inspiring me to put together this holiday giving episode and the last episode of 2017, where you will learn about Todd Bender and his amazing charity, City Kids. About the
1: work that we do. Uh, boy, has it evolved over the years. Uh, the, the short piece is that when I was uh, 20, 21, I was in seminary and trying to figure out a path for my life and... You know, as a kid growing up who was told that I'd never amount to anything, figuring out later having ADHD and things like that, uh, it was a real struggle. I was just I wanted purpose. I wanted to know my life was going to count for
0: something. And this, is that what drew you to, to seminary? Well,
1: yeah. And, and uh, the fact that I even got in, in hindsight now, I realize they're probably desperate for enrollment. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, academics was never my strong point, but uh, changing the world was something um, I just... I just wanted to do something that mattered, and I think, you know, I didn't have a terrible upbringing. My parents were great, but I was just misunderstood as a kid, and so when you grow up with this low self-esteem, and, and you just get sick and tired of feeling sorry for yourself, I just I wanted to do something to know that my life counted. So when I got to seminary, I met a little boy. I ended up spending more time working in a drop-in center with all these kids, and one night, uh, you know, I was kind of a big brother to a few of them. One night, I was walking with the kids home. Uh, and uh, I was quite frankly feeling sorry for myself and this little boy Sean was walking up uh, you know on the railroad tracks that that led to his house and I'm I'm looking up at the stars it was getting dark out and uh, I'm lost in my thought totally ignoring this little boy because I'm feeling sorry about what is my life about why am I here I'm probably flunking out and somewhere along that line uh, Sean came back Uh, he was this tough little boy too seven-year-old boy came from a rough rough home and it it was one of those epiphany moments where the light bulb goes off. I was feeling sorry for myself in the pit of despair as I was just somber walking slowly along. Sean came back and reached up and grabbed my hand. And it was an absolute immediate epiphany that I knew what my life was going to be about. And I knew in that moment that I was going to spend my life loving kids like Sean. And that the very thing that I was looking for was right in front of me all along. And I've been known to make fairly quick decisions in my life is what freaked my parents out mostly Uh, so I knew that uh, that my life was going to be about loving kids just like this little boy and so then I began to look trying to figure it out where could I go could I go to Toronto could I go could I stay in this community could I go and anyhow, I ended up coming to Hamilton and uh, I would say 20 over 25 years later I've never looked back and that story that moment is as real to me today as it was back then now City Kids has evolved tremendously since then, but that was the catalyst to start.
0: So this is your catalyst. And then what was the first sort of thing that you did? You, yeah. did, you, did you create an organization or did you just start helping kids in a yeah. way?
1: You know, one of the things you learn really quickly is that uh, um, when you want to do something bad enough, you'll figure it out somewhere or another, right? And people who are determined will figure a pathway out. And so I I looked around a lot of different places uh, to try to figure out a concept. I think the thing that drove me most is that, and, and still the DNA of City Kids today is it's all about the one uh it's all for one right so I, I knew that every child mattered and so i wanted to do something that made, that kept that front and center but i'm also a big disney fan and so and I, i'm you know you put me in a room of kids and we're gonna have fun i just love it in fact there's no other audience i'm more comfortable with than kids so I, I guess to really wrap it all up what city kids is city kids is walt disney meeting mother Teresa. And starting a kids program, and that's really the DNA. the The Walt Disney side is about creating. So we have productions that we do, uh, Saturday uh, Saturday programs where we have thousands of kids that attend, and it is a production. It's full I of- think
0: that's what surprised me most was, well, first of all, that two thousand kids like every week. Every week, like for, I guess, certain seasons or?
1: Yeah, we run just like a production cycle would be, to to be honest, like a television series. So, you know, the Walt, it's almost two sides of the same coin. The one side is the Walt Disney Disney side, which is we wanted to create inspirational experiences for our kids. The the core essence of of what we do is we want to take kids from vulnerable communities, kids who who don't get a fair shot at life, right, who don't have a lot of support systems, who just need, they don't need us to have all the answers. They don't need us to fix their problems. They They just need to know that somebody's in their corner. And so what we did is to figure out where those communities are, and then we wanted to create inspirational experiences where kids could be inspired to dream big, so they would know that, that they're not defined by their circumstances. In fact, because of their circumstances, they're going to have what it takes to achieve greatness. And so at the core of everything we do in our productions, it's all about this message. That's why I love going to Disney. When I go to Disney, I'm like, this is the way the world needs to be. How many times have you been to Disney? Uh, well, I'm celebra- I can tell you, is I'm celebrating my 25th wedding anniversary, and okay. my wife and I are going to Disney <laughs> awesome. with, with no kids. We have children, and we're not taking our kids. So, um, because awesome. it's that inspiration of, of just what the world should be like, fun and happy and full of joy. So we bring kids into these experiences, and then we inspire them to dream big. But we also help build a foundation of, of values. Uh, very, very simple, basic values that, uh, you know, that, that, we, that parents are, should be teaching to their kids, right? And so um, we don't try to replace parents. We come alongside our families and support them. So Mother Teresa's side is that we visit every child in their home. And so every child has a relationship. Those 2,000 kids, somebody knows them by name. So every, every child is known by name.
0: Every week, before you go pick them up on the Saturday... Some volunteers go, yeah, yeah and they yeah. actually go and just yeah. chat with people for a little bit. Chat yeah, with the parents, yeah. chat with the kids.
1: It's an interesting thing, right? I I've been doing it too. I have my own route. I still visit in the same neighborhood. I always have, and uh, yeah, it's it's basically always two people go. We have a team that uh, trades off, but we go. We knock on doors. We're handing out flyers of what's happening at the pr- at the production or at the program that week. And but really, is it's a, it's just a small exchange at the door where kids are to the door, moms are to the door. But it's amazing. Well, it's kind of like compound interest. It's the same way it's even though it's a small amount each time it compounds so when you go and knock on 60 doors every week times between you know 48 to 52 weeks a year who sometimes we break for christmas and you do that over a period of five to ten years what compounds in relationship here's our equation if you want to influence a generation if you want to if you want to be able to help change and transform and see kids lives transformed you have to build trust in order to trust you have to have relationship relationship builds trust Trust builds credibility, and credibility builds influence. There's no shortcuts to that. There's no app for that. You have to do the time and truly be authentic and care. And it's not an us and them. It's not about us saying we've got all the answers. It's us coming down and saying, yeah, life is tough. But, you know, we're here for you. What can we do to help? It's not about judging. It's not about, and you learn that really quickly that this just some of these circumstances—they're not the stereotypical thing that you read in the paper. There are moms and dads who have made poor decisions, and they still deserve grace, and they still deserve love
0: and well, how, how did they? How do the parents respond typically? I, are they apprehensive at first?
1: When we 1st started, and we've been doing this for a long time now, so our reputation precedes us. We haven't advertised for our program sure. for 15 years yes. because word of mouth—neighbor tells a neighbor tells—and that's why I believe what happens when you do something right and good. Sure.
0: But what about at the beginning then?
1: Yeah, what, at the beginning we worked through the school system and yeah there, there was suspicion and why wouldn't there be what, what what's in it for you was yeah. the thing and because so why are you many... putting this on
0: for my kids uh why are you giving them things well and... quite
1: frankly every other every other religion is knocking on their doors trying to sell them religion right and mm-hmm. they've heard it all and and talk is cheap and so when we would first go and say um hey we've got this program it's free we just care about your kids. It's, you know, the, you know look at the police department is, is endorsing it. So it's all safe. We'll care for your kids. Why I would be suspicious. And Sure. But when you go back the next week and, and then their kids come, and then over time, they're like, these folks are the real deal. They truly care about my kids. So and you then, had
0: to build your reputation oh, a little yeah. bit for that. And, and just with kids it's important to have everything right, I guess, right? I guess one one mistake and uh, everything goes.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it, but it's interesting. I, I have found so much grace with our families. In fact, you know, it's interesting. People get involved with in the work we do because we think we're going to change lives and change the world. But you know what ends up happening? They change our lives. Hmm. We go down and we enter into these beautiful worlds of suffering and challenge. And we come away and we say, I don't know what I have to offer these people except for my love and hope. And then you come away being made better because of who they are. So it, it is not an us and them. It is a we've come down and we're part of their, you know, and it's just part of this relationship. So, But, yeah, these our kids and families are disappointed all the time. They're made promises by people, and then those people don't show up. I had a boy when I first started City Kids that was sitting on the sidewalk when we pulled up the City Kids bus. I invited him out and his parents, he says, no, I'm waiting for my dad. My dad's coming to pick me up because it was his dad's week to come pick him up. Mm. He was still sitting on the sidewalk when I got back after dropping the kids off after the program and he went to his house, he was upset. That happened for two weeks in a row. The third week, I knocked on the door and said, you know, if he wants to come to City Kids and he came, he says, "Uh, no, my dad's coming to pick me up this week. Finally, the fourth week, I went and I went and knocked on the door again and his dad hadn't picked him up at all. And that week he was ready and so excited to come to City Kids. And you know, I thought to myself, I don't know those circumstances. It's not about me judging what happened there. But sometimes the most important thing that we do, Bo, is just show up. And that's what we do. And we've been doing it for 25
0: years. We just keep showing up. So, playing devil's advocate, I guess it's a little ironic. <laughs> but most people might say, this sounds like a lot of work. And when you started out, how were you expecting to make money? because most people will want to at least make themselves a living and even if they have altruistic desires they have to pay the bills first so how did that work for you at the beginning yeah i didn't think about well you know at the very
1: beginning it was me living in poverty right i didn't have many needs i didn't care so i actually lived uh, on nothing and uh and the first, it was tough. We didn't have a business model. We didn't have the model of how to how to pay for all of this. And and when I first started, I was I was part of a, a local congregation as well too, and even though I was volunteering at the time, I would work. I worked. So how it started, I worked at, in a factory in the kitchen. I would scrub. Really? I would go in for. 5 a.m., 4 or 5 a.m. I would get out in enough time to go to the local school so I could be at recess. Principal gave me authorization to organize soccer at recess. And that was the beginning of how city could started. And then on the weekends, the church would sponsor. We'd rent a gymnasium. And we it didn't cost us. It's unbelievable when you want to do something how resourceful you can be to figure it out, right? We had sure. enough money to feed all the kids pizza. And eventually, a church lent us their bus and supported us that way. And then over time, so here's what happens, was we didn't wait to figure out that. We just started doing it. And bit by bit, the money began to fall. People saw what we were doing and began to come alongside volunteers at first. And then the church that was sponsoring us, that I was part of, being part of it. But the journey in the first 10 years was, I mean, my wife, when I met my wife and we got married, we lived in poverty. We lived in taverns. One of the houses we were renting for three years burned down. We lost everything. Shortly before that, we were just in a bad car accident. Um, It's an interesting story, which I won't go into detail, but I can tell you this, there was another another, another epiphany, but after we lost our car during a car accident, and then we lost our house, and all we had left was two cats and a photo album, and I'm standing in the middle of the street with looking at all the fire, looking at my wife in the back of the police cruiser. We were nearly bankrupt, because we were financing as much as we could the work. I had nothing left, and I'm sitting there holding two cats, sorry, no, one cat and a photo album, because we couldn't find the other cat. And... I was so angry. I was angry at God. I'm like, really? Really, God? This is. I've given up everything? Yeah. And you know, right at that moment, the cat pooped on me. Uh, <laughs> and I realized God. it was, but this is a true story. I realized it was my only, it's the only clothes I had. I didn't even know where I was going to sleep that night. Oh, but man. But you know what happened next? The most freeing thing ever. I had nothing left to lose. That's true. And the next step I took was so empowering. And it wasn't easy after that. But there was no quick fixes. And this is hard work. And it does take time. And over the last 25 years, I've never had an easy year. But I think if you stick with something long enough and it has value, people will see that. And we've got great supporters, loyal supporters. The community of Hamilton has been phenomenally supportive. And we keep expanding and growing.
0: I think one of the reasons I wanted to come here today is because I don't talk about giving as much. And I feel like in the community of personal finance and bloggers and podcasters, we don't talk about giving and, and uh, there will be people around this time of year around around christmas time around the holidays talk about this is the time when you should think about tithing or give away 10% of your income and i just wanted to hear from you what, what should people think of as the benefits of giving and what are what are we missing that's not making us have giving in uh, giving as a part of our plan from the get go and to continue, maybe we just don't see the value?
1: Yeah, you know, that was one of the hardest things when I started in this work in a, as a nonprofit charity, right? The mm-hmm. idea of somebody freely giving their money to be able to do the work that we do. And then I didn't take a paycheck in the first five years at all. Um, working in the factories, I was still? working, uh, working and I went back, my, I grew up in a construction family, so I would drive back two hours during the week, and then I would drive back down for weekends for the programming and things, and that's how... I earned a living, but when it started, as as we formed an organization and a board of directors and we started talking about this, I remember the first paycheck I got, how guilty I felt. It's like people are freely giving their money and they're paying me to do... It felt so wrong. And I I struggled with it. Even asking for money, I struggled with that for a while. But then I had this experience. Actually, it was with a sales guy who also raised a lot of money for charity. And he sat down with me once and he says, Todd, you got to kind of do a judo flip on this. You're thinking about it all wrong. He says, you are giving people the opportunity. And this is this altruism, right? The opportunity to enter into a beautiful story. He says, you know... Say what you want about capitalism, say what you want about all that, you know, and and how the market works and how, he says, one of the things that helps us in in our marketplace is that when we're able to give back, when we have been successful, when we have made money in our business, when we're able to give back, it makes us feel good, whether it's a justification or whether there's an altruism that happens to that. And better yet, that when we, when we are invited to be part of the story, and this is one of our philosophies at City Kids, we don't look at our supporters as ATM machines. In fact, what we say is probably the same thing that you would share with investing. Invest wisely, give wisely. We actually, I, I've had situations where somebody was ready to give us money and a lot of money. I said, I don't want your money yet because you haven't even seen what we do. Mm-hmm. I want you to know what you're investing in because they are part of the story. It's not just us, the people, the kids that we work with and reach and our donors. We are all one community. And so it's important for me to say, I believe that if you know what you're investing in, we actually use that language that you're, you're not just giving, you're investing in the transformational change of our children and I want you to see it because I know if you'll see it and you walk with me to the door if you come on a Saturday if you see it then and you don't want to invest then at least you've seen what it is but I truly believe that you'll know what you're investing in and it won't be the $50,000 you want to give me right now you're going to want to give a lot more
0: and the thing about city kids is that you can I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm here at City Kids. You can see it. How many staff do you have here?
1: Yeah, so we work heavily with volunteers. That's one of the ways we're able to keep our administrative costs so low. So we have. Uh 26 to 27 full-time equivalent staff mm-hmm. uh, we hire former participants as well too so kids after 25 years kids have come up through the programs uh, of course they're on uh, some of the on contract staff with us they lead some of our programs actually as well too and then we have about uh, between 350 and 400 volunteers that help make all the systems run and all that how many that buses
0: work. are out in the yard right now? yeah
1: we have uh, 17 full sized used uh, buses we get them when they're about 15 years old and we keep them running for another five years and we have actually between 26 we have 26 bus routes so we use them more than once and Wednesday nights they also go out for our youth program.
0: So I don't know if everyone's aware but if you're a registered charity your uh, financials are public. Yes. Right? You have yeah. to publish, You don't have to publish all the little details, right? Like, But we I, do. Yes. I can yeah. take a pretty good guess at, at your salary yeah. range yeah. because it's published in the CRA yeah. document yeah. and there's one person in the category. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I can only guess that it's you. But it took you 25 yeah. years to get there, I'm sure, yeah. right? Yeah. But the, the thing about running an organization like this is salaries are a big part of it because it's the people. Yeah that are running, you, yeah. this this organization is run very well. I mean, just even looking at the, the statements that I saw and the annual report that you sent out, I mean, this is run like a, a, a pretty big corporation.
1: Yeah, and we work, I mean, we work really, transparency and accountability is That's, all really yes, important. So, I mean, our audit, and, and I think our whole industry, if you will, is really going that direction. Funders and, and donors and supporters, they're, they're smart folks, right? And, and now the, with the access to information, they... Uh, and I think they've just been driven to because there's so many organizations, so much need, they've been driven to do more research and understand more so they can give wisely and so we really try to practice transparency and accountability so we post not just our audited statements and and they're online as well too with CRA. We've actually invited the charity watchdogs in, like charity um, uh, intelligence and so you can go on, they can give us a report card on things and when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to the the compensation piece, this is a hard piece
0: because it's... The guilt that you felt at the beginning. Well,
1: yeah, and the people that enter into this work, typically do with an altruistic attitude, sure. right? And we have very real needs that, uh, and, and people, you know, it costs the same amount of milk and bread in the store. It does for everybody else, right? For folks. And so when we look at our compensation model, what we try to do is say, look, at, we're never going to pay the highest. We're not going to pay the lowest. We're going to try to hit right in the, in the middle. No one's ever going to get rich here, but it's, this is your job, though. No. But this is the job. And quite frankly, we want great people. We want to attract great people because the better the people are, the more impact we're going to have. For our kids. And the longer we can keep them <laughs> as well.
0: Exactly. Uh, the more uh, sustainability that well, we The, the to. longer someone's in an organization, the more ideas and more creativity comes out as well. Because they have experience so that they can yeah. use. And all the things that were difficult for them at the beginning become easy. And now they can focus on yeah. actually helping the company grow. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think people forget that for an organization as large as this, this is your job. And it wasn't always. I mean, you would have made it your job except early on you didn't have any money you had to have other jobs but for you to actually do all the things you do now you have you opened up locations in Ottawa and in Saskatchewan
1: yeah, yeah. So we, um, I mean, my dream all along after leaving uh, seminary was I'm going to reach all the kids. I'm going to help all the kids in Canada. Sure. And that's what 20-year-olds think, right? Yeah. yeah. You have, And I still, you know, I Why would say not? I'm an idealist still. I'm probably leaning more towards a realist, but I'm still an idealist. So my heart was always for kids across the country. And, and I have a real soft spot for First Nations and Aboriginal folks because I think there's just such tremendous need and, and struggles there that, Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, but I got to Hamilton and it was like, after the first year, if I can just help one kid, I'm doing well. Because realizing the overwhelming, what it takes to run an organization, all the, if I would have known what I know now, back as a 20 year old, I may not have even started on the journey because of the work that it takes to even show
0: up on a Saturday. Well, the logistics of running 17 buses full of kids every Saturday is, I mean, high school principals right now are just like, you know, crying and hiding in the corner listening to this.
1: And, you know, I was saying to my staff the other day, this work that we do is hard, and it should be hard. Sure. It should be hard because the work that we it, it's complex problems need complex solutions. But sometimes it could be a little easier. <laughs> there <It> could be some days where it's a little easier. Well, it seems
0: like you, you've done a lot of work to make it uh, efficient, which to me, uh, efficiency makes things a lot easier. And just having everything organized.
1: Well, we have good, you know. And I would say, you know, one of the things I learned early on. Um, and I'm am an avid reader, so why, why the formal traditional? You know, I ended up going back to try and working towards my MBA still. But uh, the dawn of the internet in the '90s. Um, when now now I can you can access any information you want. So I am an organic learner continually. Mm. And one of the biggest things I've learned is find people who've been there that are smarter than you, and then listen to them. So I, I'm sure as you walk through here, you're gonna see you see baby boom. You see my assistant who's been with me um, for 15, 16 years. He's in his 70s. He's a retired school teacher. He's got his master's degree. He, He volunteers from the very day he started. He gives about 40 hours a week minimum. Wow. Minimum. He's here. He's here before I am it's in amazing. the morning. He keeps me organized. And people like that and, and and putting people around you on our board, all those types of people who are smart, who've been there, who can take from their own industry and apply it. That's how we've been able to do uh, what we do. I, You know people call me the visionary. They call me, I don't even know what half the stuff means half the time. What to, you know, And I often say I get way too much credit. I also get way too much blame for a lot of things. Sure. The truth of the matter is, Bill, the work that we do here is because there's a lot of amazing people who all bring their pieces to this great story we're trying to tell. And you know, my whole philosophy is this. I truly believe, and this is my faith philosophy, God is telling a great love story. It's not a tragedy. And for the time I have here on earth, I can either be part of this great love story where I can bring faith, hope, and love to to, to the people around me and to, the, in this case, beautiful kids who just need to know someone cares and loves them. And while I'm here, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to move that forward in, in my generation. As long as I have breath in my lungs to do, that's what I'm working at. And I think that is refreshing for people and the people that are here uh, have entered into that story and they're bringing their own gifts and talents to do that.
0: And I like that everybody's welcome you know you don't have to be religious you don't have to be part of a church or anything parents can come and uh, they can go to the website citykids.ca, right? And yes. They can, oh, absolutely. How do they? Is that how they they yeah, call well, actually, you or whatever? And or not, they
1: the mo- the way they access mostly now is Facebook. Okay, um yeah. That's how Facebook, we have. Okay. Oh, yeah. Our city kids is, with a
0: with a Z. With city a Z, kids sorry, with a Z, Z, Z. Yes. Z. I'm Canadian, yeah. so I say Z. Right. Yeah. Well, I say Z
1: or Z. But okay. uh, <laughs> yes, city kids with a Z. Z. However you say it. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know. Our parents and our kids inform everything uh, because it's, I keep saying this, it's not an us and them. It's not us trying to come down and say, here's all the solutions. We're just loving our kids and uh, parents give us feedback. We open, you know, we have two-way communication and everything we do is based on, uh, based on trust. And what we've learned a lot along the way is the families that, uh, that we have the privilege to be part of, if they just have a helping hand, if they just know someone's rooting in their corner, these are resilient people. And uh, we all, when people say, how do you transform? How do you change a child's life? We say, we don't. They do it. We just stick with them. And when somebody, when a child knows that as they go through their childhood that there's somebody there that's a constant, we all need a constant. When there's somebody there that's a constant, that can be the catalyst for them to say, you know what, I just had a bet." Here's what we say to our kids. Guess what? It's going to be rough. Mm-hmm. You're growing up in the, in the north end. My kids in the North End, they have seen people get shot and die in front of them. They have seen horrendous stuff. Wow! And so the thing I say to the kids is like, I wish I could rescue from that, but I can't. You're going to see some bad stuff. You're going to have some hard times. But guess what? I'm going to be here. We're going to be here. I'm going to be here with you. Yep, and that big red bus is going to show up, and we're going to be able to come, and we're going to have a good time. And for that Saturday, you're not going to have to worry about somebody hurting you. You're not going to have to worry about where you're going to eat. And then I'm going to come back home, and and we're not going anywhere. And uh, that's that alone has been the thing that I think has been the most consistent to see transformational change generationally in the lives of our kids we work with.
0: You know what I like that. So you did a impact study to see yes. the impact. The people can go online and read about it, but. I like the, the three things that, the three results. Uh, 95% believe our program is helping children do the right thing. 87% believe our program helps children to be honest. And 94% believe our program helps children to be more respectful. I, those three things, do the right thing, be honest, and be more respectful. I mean, you can apply that to anybody in the world. Yeah. And those are good yeah. things. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. I, I, I challenge anyone to say that any of those things are counter to what you believe in. Do yeah, the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Be respectful. Be yeah. honest. You know, I, I recommend anybody, if you're going to give money to a charity or to any nonprofit or any, just give money at all. Go visit them. Mm-hmm. Figure out what they do. Like you said, I agree. you don't expect your donors to be ATMs. Be part of it in some way, and then then it'll feel better. Yes. And, you, and when it comes yeah. around next year, and you're like, oh, what am I giving my money for? Well, you probably know. Because you've been there,
1: yeah, and that's that is the best advice that we can give. Be part of the story, and if it's through giving of time or resources or talents, uh, that's what that's what we desire. We we want people to be part of the story.
0: So what were some of these kids, I mean, I know the one kid was sitting on the, waiting for his dad on mm-hmm. Saturday, but what, what was a typical kid doing on a Saturday? Just sitting at home or just have nothing to do? The parents are working? Is that usually what is well, happening?
1: I mean, and, and times have changed a lot and we, yeah. you know, even our programming is beginning to change with the the dawn of the internet changed everything, uh, right? But yeah, I, I think in the neighborhoods that we um, focus on where, where the highest needs are, so some of the social housing pieces like that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of challenges. One of the problems with social housing is that there's a lot of systemic things that are just because it's all grouped together um, that can become problematic, right? So, you know, in, in a lot of those areas, there's uh, a lot of times there's dr- a lot of drug issues that come in. And, and unfortunately, it's not everyone it's usually just a pocket that impacts the whole neighborhood but yeah we have you know when, when we think about uh, and I would say there's no typical uh, typical family so it's hard to be sure. typical and say what is it there really is that there's so m-. I've got a, a single dad that I visit that he worked all his life and then he fell off a ladder hurt his back could never work again fell into depression got drinking his marriage broke up and he has his kids and every day is just a struggle and he fell into poverty because he has and that's his story and and He's doing the best that he can and and that's a story right i have another parent who's uh had to put she fell into hard times made some you know decisions as a teenager like we always do right and uh um, didn't have a great support system and so she has several kids and uh is trying to go at herself trying to put herself back through school trying to navigate the system and it is tough tough life to but she's working at and we have we have other families who are caught in addiction Mm-hmm. you know, who are caught in a terrible social net that we've... Created. Now, you know, look at the social system in in, in Canada and, and in Ontario. Definitely needs to be reformed. It was meant, you know, for a good thing when it was developed years and years ago. But it tends to keep people in the system, and it doesn't help promote them to get out of the system. So we've got folks that are caught in that cycle, too.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that because there are some people that say, why do I have to help people? Why can't yeah. the government or why can't they just to be the negative, negative Nelly right now. Sure. Why can't they just get jobs? You know, why can't they just help themselves? And you're, you're talking about the specific cases where uh, they've tried to get jobs. They're, they're disabled. They have mental health issues. They have addiction. They have, there's certain things that are beyond control. Yes. And unfortunately the people that suffer the most are, are the kids because they never even had a choice within this matter.
1: Yes, well, well said. And I think it's unfortunate because if you haven't been exposed to and had an opportunity to be part and see these families, the the idea of that individual who's just the deadbeat dad or the deadbeat mom, who you know that image in our mind of just like this these parents who do nothing who are just taking milking,
0: advantage of the system, that, like you said, yeah,
1: that is so far few between of the parents and families
0: that we see.
1: Does it exist? Yeah, but it's it's not the norm. It's
0: always a small percentage, right? The people that take advantage are the ones that we hear about, but they're. Yeah they're usually just making it worse for the people who actually need help.
1: Yeah, and that's unfortunate. That's typically how laws are created and and things like that happen. But by and far, these are good people who fell into hard times and by the grace of god it could have been me or you or anybody else through different circumstances and you're right kids don't have a choice where they're born into i I think that the thing is too that the the social safety net that we have um i mean you think about an average family on social assistance they have to get by but you know on under twenty thousand dollars a year if we take a look at food we take a look at rent we take a look it's i don't know anybody who can actually survive on that let alone thrive on those things so you know And then if they try to get a job and start working, they actually get more money taken away from them. And so the motivation to actually go in and work when you're actually going to not just lose your social – suddenly you don't have a dental plan now. Suddenly you don't have – so it's not – it's complex. And this whole poverty issue is not a simple fix. Uh, The homelessness issue, the housing issue, and there's a lot of smart people academically that are working on it and some change is happening. But in the meantime – guess who's growing up in the meantime while policymakers are figuring out which they need to all those things need to be solved and we need to do better there are kids that are going to grow up and a whole generation could be lost if somebody doesn't stand in the gap and say yeah it's going to be hard but you don't have to be like you can make a difference you can go to college you can do you can chase your dreams
0: and I think that's that's where we come in so speaking of college you have uh, a scholarship program yes when when did that start
1: well, you know, it's interesting. A few years back, uh, probably three years ago now, we got to the point where we felt. And by the way, this came from when we invited that the uh, social research agency to come in and say, "Look, at we've been doing this for a long time." It felt vulnerable because we said, "Can you validate? Can you tell us if we're doing the right thing or not?" So it's hard we were to afraid know, they right? were going to do because it, it was an eighteen-month research assessment. Okay. What if they came out and said? You're not, it's They're not, coming out worse, <laughs> but we said we need to know because um, we want to know that what we're doing is actually transforming. Sure. And thankfully, they came out and, and uh, not only did they say what you're doing is working and transforming, and you shared some of the some of the, the few things from a. 130-page yeah, th- report. Yeah, those are just the
0: quick summaries, yeah. What they
1: also said is that we've taken such a unique approach. They actually published their assessment in a social science research journal nice. because of the uniqueness of how we're able to bring both social science and faith together and how we go ahead and assess. So... They validated what we were doing, that it was working, and they also gave us some recommendations. And so we've been applying those recommendations. And so we journey with kids from three all the way up to 16, turning 17. Um, and what we realized is all the time, we've been building a foundation to launch their dreams. We've been inspiring them to dream big. And then they get to the point where they're like, okay, I want to do it now. We're like, well, how can we, in a practical way, saying, okay... You, want to do, you, you, you applied for college, we're now going to have a bursary program that we can help in a very practical way, but rather than just paying for tuition, we know there's needs that tuition and OSAP doesn't pay for, mm-hmm. and so what we said is, what are those other needs that are those barriers that prevent you from oh, being successful? Great. So the Weston Foundation, uh, great uh, group of uh, folks came alongside, and we said, we want to pilot something, and we want to take a unique approach. We're not just going to give them a bursary like a lot of the other. So we did our research. We said, there's lots of this stuff out there. But we just don't want to give them a bursary and say, have fun with college, hope it goes well. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay part of their lives. Okay. So we're going to keep accountability there because we know for a kid who is maybe the first in three generations, not only to complete high school, but to go to college, that first semester when you're overwhelmed by all of the how important it is for us to stay there and say, don't give up, you can do it, you can do it. And so financial support, but also the mentoring and relational support continues.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's
1: exciting. And, and we've had good success so far. Uh, we're excited with what the Ontario government is doing in terms of putting more money into students uh, in low-income communities. So we're going to be uh, adjusting how we can even leverage that to, to a greater extent in the future
0: so how many kids
1: yeah right now i think we have uh so we started three years ago and we we give up to four years of support so it's not just a one time wow. we'll we'll journey with them every year they have to get their own reports back to us and it's not about grades okay we, we don't we don't because i knew what that was like sure yeah ice for grades <laughs> um it's about effort it's about it's about are they doing the hard work uh, not about intellect and so they give reports on their experience and then we continue to fund over four years so i think we have 12 now that we've been journeying with everything from from university to colleges, and uh, every year we are, are scheduled to do between 6 and 12 more. So we'll have, with our partnership with Weston, uh, when we're done, probably about 36 that we will have put through and hopefully have successfully seen them pursue their dreams. And what I mean by that, too, is we know the journey of post-secondary is, I mean, I, my two of my oldest kids, my, my oldest has changed her course Three times now. (laughs) Yeah. She's trying to figure out... It's discovery. Yeah. And so we want to allow opportunity, and and we understand, and we don't want to penalize them for that. The point is, they're chasing their... Here's the thing. We're not so concerned about what they become. It's about what they don't become. That's right. right? And that if their dream is to... It's not about our... So often we think, when we say dream big, we're talking about being doctors. We're not talking about that at all. What what are you you created to be? Maybe you're created to... uh, you know, my daughter works at McDonald's, uh, and she's loving it. They have a great system. Maybe you wanna manage a a fast food restaurant. Maybe you want it's about not limiting yourself because of your circumstances.
0: Figuring That's really out, what this is figuring about. Figuring out who you are, which mm-hmm. sometimes takes it took me all in my <laughs> so <I mean>, twenties to, <laughs> well, to figure figuring out figure out addiction and mental health and right. and, and, and right. career. And yeah, and then I, I just quit my job in June and I'm you know, pursuing my my passion full-time, and we're doing it right now. That's right. right? That's right. So the education thing is awesome because that's really a huge expense that I think people maybe don't even consider because they're like, I'll never be able to afford that. <sighs> even with OSEP, as you said, it's not going to be able to cover my living, or if I can't go to school locally, I won't be able to go to the school I want because – Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Absolutely. So that's amazing. And you have like so. The, okay, the website. Everybody should go to the website. City with a with a z. With a dot z. Ca, <laughs> Because there's lots and stuff to read. But uh, why don't we quickly go through? Okay? Obviously, the gift of Christmas mm-hmm. program is uh, the one. So I went to Toys R Us and I, I bought. Inspired by Rockstar Finance and uh, Jay Money an email that he sent, I went and spent some money and I'm gonna give some gifts to the kids here. And I also recommend everyone get a tax receipt if they can. Mm -hmm. When you give to a registered charity, the the system is set up for that. You give money, the kids get what they get, and then the government gives you money back. It's a win-win situation for everybody. So always make sure to look into that and... uh, Canadian tires helping you out mm-hmm. uh, by having locations who, uh, where else can people donate yes that's all on the website and There's in a, Hamilton only yes
1: so uh, our, our Ottawa and Regina so you mentioned earlier Ottawa. Yes. we do have Ottawa and Regina branch as okay, well great. too and yeah. they do um, a smaller version of it too sure um, but yeah in Hamilton we have uh, best thing to do is go to the website our, now we're in a, uh, only a few weeks left here but we that's do this right. every year
0: I'll release this podcast every year
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so we have yeah and going to the website uh, all the details are there but yeah the Hamilton Police Stations, uh, uh, they are drop-off locations. Uh, Canadian Tire has been a longtime supporter of ours, both in Hamilton and uh, in our other cities as well, too, where we have branches. They're good. They've been tremendous supporters of, of City Kids.
0: I saw the video. Uh, I think it was from earlier this year. We believe in City Kids. Uh, okay. Video. Oh yes. Yeah, yes, and the the, yeah. the chief of police, yes, I believe, yeah, is yeah. one of the people speaking. I mean, it, it really says a lot about the community. And one of the Tiger cats, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, former tire. T- 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 former tire cat. Yes, yeah. And it's just some leaders in the community who are just very inspired by by city kids. And, and, and so this is the Christmas one. I mean, everybody thinks about giving at Christmas. So we're not going to tell them not to. But we want to tell them that Christmas isn't the only time, right? <laughs> of course, yes. So you have, obviously, you have the 2,000 kids every Saturday uh, throughout the year, right? Yep,
1: during our season. So we run similar to a school season. and okay, yeah. in, in our summertime, we actually don't bring our kids inside. We do... Um, as you can see on the website, summer to remember, you which have is a, yeah. camps
0: or, or various camps. Well,
1: actually, yeah. So this is another unique approach for city kids. And I'll just touch on it really quickly. Mm, uh, uh, we're almost like the trivago of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because what we've done is um, a while ago we said we weren't going to start a camp because there was all, everybody was doing camps there's camps
0: everywhere. Yeah. And
1: we thought that uh, there was plenty of camps. So in the summertime we focused on building our productions and, uh, and then advertising so kids could get to those camps. But then we started as we're visiting, we're hearing parents say there's no camps for my kids or I can't afford it. And, my kids are doing nothing, and then we're hearing camps tell us that oh, we have all these. Em-. So they basically they pay for their week, and then they have these empty spots, just like in hotel rooms, really? right? It's yeah. all. And so what ended up happening is we said, well, why don't we broker between? Sure. So rather than us running our own camp and being limited because now we have a limited numbers and a limited what we can do at one camp, we said, look, we've been telling our kids to inspire to dream big, and we've got kids who love to. So we got kids who 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 uh, you know want to go in and learn horseback riding. We got. So why don't we start start going around all these camps and broker deals with them? And so let's go to the horseback uh, or horse riding camp and say, you know, if you give us six spots, we'll provide transportation because that's what we do really well. We'll help cover some of the costs, but you're, you know, you're going to, you're, you're paying for those spots anyways, because you've got the counselors, you've already bought the food, you've got the places to stay. Mm-hmm. Kids can't afford, our families can't, I can't even afford an $800 a week. Is that camp how much experience. it is now? Well, camp wow. experiences can run for an overnight camp as low, the lowest you would find is about 350 because it's expensive to even, to, to look after kids that long. But our between five and seven hundred dollars a week for camp and so what we've done is now we've got uh, i think we have about 30 partnerships with various overnight camps day camps and so we have all we have staff that facilitate it and we do what we do well which is help families because this is our, a lot of our families filling out these registration forms and all those we've even went on day of and help families pack help kids pack we've had to get sleeping Just all bags
0: overwhelming they they have a lot on their plate. If they're not working all the time, that's probably because they can't work and and they're. It's overwhelming. They're, so they're we bridge the gap there.
1: We let the camps do what they do well. They've got the sites. We vet them well. So we do site visits. They sure. have to meet our standards,
0: which we know are super high.
1: And then what's so great is that child who says, "My dream is to go horseback riding." We get to say, "Samantha, guess what? Oh man, you're going horseback Seriously. riding."
0: Yeah, it's so amazing. So
1: our summer to remember program is very popular. We have out of our 2,000 at this point, we we send 600. Wow. Part of that is funding as we get more funding part of that is it, it it's a lot to facilitate uh, sure um getting registration forms all the back end to do that is huge but uh, we continue to invest and build on it's, it's amazing it's amazing when a child whose whole reality and childhood typically exists within six square blocks when they hop on a bus and they go we have i just got to tell you the story because every yeah. we get kids to fill out their experiences and we post them all on our wall after their camp experiences I get emotional when I talk about this because we forget what we take for granted. You know, there's one thing where children say, what was your favorite thing about camp? One boy wrote this. He wrote, uh, my favorite thing is I got to run through the woods because I can't do that at home. <laughs> I know. And, 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 but get this. We had wow. several kids say the best thing about camp was I had a place to, to sleep and I, and I had food. Oh,
0: no, really?
1: In Canada, yes. And so, and what you realize like is... Consistently, maybe. It's, that's yeah. it, because they, a lot of our families every day, not quite sure. So our kids are growing up where they're not wow. sure if they're going to have supper that evening. They're not When they're at camp, it's just there. And 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 they real and, and we realized that for these kids, that was such a huge deal. They're going to be safe in the evening, and
0: they didn't have to worry about where they're going to sleep, and that they were going to have food. And the summertime is the time when the kids are idle. And so... It's not like they have school to go to every day. There's no structure there. And so there's much more opportunity for something to happen or the yeah, kids to yeah. go the wrong way. And so it's like a complete contrast to, you know, even at the at the minimum, if they're just like sitting at home all day doing nothing because they either can't afford to do it or it's not – they don't want to go outside or whatever. This is like – I don't know. It's like going to Disneyland, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, and when you... I mean, part
1: of Inspiring Big Dreams is you got to know the world's bigger than your, your six square blocks because if that's...
0: That's true. This yeah. is what
1: happens, right? We are the sum of our environment. If, if we only spend time with the people that believe the things that we believe, if we only spend time in the areas, that's our worldview. Our meet, worldview is like, this is the way the world works. Meet poverty people. is, Yeah, poverty is, is my world, and the crime is what... And this is, and this is if I'm going to enter into the world, this is how I've got to be. That's what they see. But if you can take them out of that environment... And suddenly for the first time they say the world is so much bigger and the possibilities are so much bigger we forget like some of our folks and, and we have new Canadian families mm-hmm. um, we wonder why they don't go out of their neighborhood you know what how frightening it is to get onto a bus and not be able to read and know where to get off
0: mm. It's, I mean a little bit because I went to Japan, but not <laughs> not here.
1: How vulnerable do you feel, right? It's and those are, are things yes. that we just don't think about. Most people don't think about, but for a no, family, it, it's,
0: we don't th- we don't think about the things that we we don't know, right? I mean, you know, from you know, we're both uh, white males. We don't know a lot of what goes on in uh, minority and uh, so in, uh, female or you know transgender discrimination anything because it doesn't happen to us. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so we just need to be a little more aware and, understanding when somebody says uh, you know this is how how it is well maybe listen to them because you're never going to see it with your own eyes right
1: Oh, uh, when you know that old quote that says uh, until you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes mm-hmm. you have no idea what their life is like and it will transform you and you're absolutely right as we began to uh, to get to know our families and and all of the complexities the suffering, the challenges, and the beauty and all of it. Yeah, and, and I don't know if we were recording when we were talking about this, but uh, I said that, you know, we get a lot of people get involved in this work because we think that we have the solution, that we're going to come solve the problems of, of people. And you, could, you get down and you enter into these lives. And if you're willing to make yourself vulnerable and enter in, it's very quickly you realize that not only do we not have the solutions, but it's not us changing their lives. They, I have been made a better person because of entering into the lives of all of these wonderful people who if I just read a paper or read the news stories or, or read the statistics, I would never really truly see the beauty of, of who these people are and how it's transformed, transformed me as well too. And there is real suffering, there is real challenges, and I don't want our children or our families to have to experience a day more of that. But to have the arrogance sometimes I think that, that we can have to say that we're going to come down and fix you yeah. Um, shame on us right um, they sure. fixed us um, and I think you know well if there 's any message I would give to, to supporters and people who are thinking about uh, supporting financially don 't just give a donation research and learn learn about the people you're because if you truly want to be transformed beyond just giving it 's going to feel great for sure but get to know, read the stories about the families and know that uh, the part that you're playing is investing to, uh, to some beautiful stories.
0: And sometimes it's not just about giving money, it's about investing your time. I mean, that's what basically you've done is invested your time and eventually you, be, you got compensated for it but that wasn't the goal so I think this is a really really good thing that we did today talking about this I'm really glad that I came and if listening to Todd talk about this isn't inspiring you to give something your time your money I don't know what else <laughs> what else would there's still there's still Probably another day to give for the the, the gift of Christmas, but uh, we're here probably, all year round Yeah, all year round this probably won't air yeah. until for a couple of days anyway I want to get it out before Christmas. Yeah. It's probably Christmas Eve today if you're listening to this But uh, only if you're listening to it on the day it's released. Otherwise, this could be many years later So give if you can think about your budget of course first think about you know don't uh, give at the expense of yourself You know don't give your rent money away I guess that would be the advice that I, but there's always a little bit of room. You know, when I thought about the $100 for, even though I didn't get it from uh, Jay Money because everybody else responded before me, I said, well, what's $100 to me? Is it going to really change my living situation? Am I going to go broke? Not really. And, but will a couple of toys make a difference to kids? Yes. So I said, I'm just going to do it myself. And I'm glad that I did because the, then I looked into City Kids and then I reached out. And Todd, thank you for agreeing to be here with me today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much.